Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wish Well Podcast. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode, number 35, with Dr. Lena Horner. Her words for health and wellness are centered and grounded. I have to say, at the beginning of the episode, I did share a little bit about how she and I met, and I want to share it with you again here in the intro. She and I met during our Integrative Medicine Fellowship Program through the University of Arizona, We started that program back in 2016 and graduated in 2018. At the very last residential week, which is in Tucson, by the way, Tucson is amazing. I love Arizona. The fellowship program had a couple of volunteers to come and do a little mini TED Talk. So Lena, Dr. Horner, did a TED Talk. And I was so inspired by her talk that I was super excited to have her come onto the podcast for this this week's episode to discuss her talk, which is the Camino de Santiago. So I will definitely just let you enjoy this episode. This episode is a little bit longer than my normal episodes, and I really just enjoy her spirit, her energy, and I'm super excited to have her on the podcast. I also want to tell you a little bit about her, and her bio will be in the show notes. She has been a practicing OBGYN for over 20 years. She also completed the Fellowship in Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona. In 2018, she felt a calling and decided to take a sabbatical from medicine to walk the Camino de Santiago. Since her job at that time did not allow for a sabbatical, she resigned to follow her heart and restore her spirit, which was bruised and battered from work. Additionally, there was a desire to deepen on her spiritual path. For one who is spiritual and non-denominational, a pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago may seem like an odd choice. As this is a traditional Catholic pilgrimage, the Way of St. James and culminating at the Campesino de Santiago Cathedral. However, it is a path that many pilgrims seek to soothe their spirits and connect a community of seekers. Since completing her journey, Lena continues to deepen her spiritual journey and is currently a student of the Mystery School. She continues to practice medicine with a renewed focus on overall well-being and spiritual wellness as physical health. Again, I am so excited to share her story, and um, I wanted to kind of just say at the very end, I asked her to share a little bit of piece of advice to others who may be feeling a little bit burnt out. And her advice was to pause and look inward, which I thought was so interesting because it goes back to an earlier episode that I had with Dr. Jesse Mahoney, uh, whose words were pause and presence. So I think there is a lot of commonalities between all the women who I've had so far on this podcast. So I really hope that you enjoy 
this episode. If you want to reach out to Dr. Horner, you can email her at hornermedicalconsults@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Other than that, please remember to subscribe, follow along, leave a review if you can on Apple iTunes, and I look forward to talking to you all again soon. Take care. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Lena Horner. She is a practicing OB-GYN in um, Colorado, and she and I actually met in our Integrative Medicine Fellowship program, which I guess now has been over four years, and we graduated in the fall of 2018. And I initially heard her story, which she will share today. Um, I heard her story at one of our TED Talk sessions, and um, when I was thinking about different podcast guests that I wanted to come on. She was actually on my top five (laughs) and I'm very excited to have her on today to share her journey through health and wellness. So welcome, Lena. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. So glad to have you. So we're just going to jump right in and uh, I ask every guest if they can pick a word or two or even a phrase as far as what health and wellness means to them, what would they pick? So what do you think that your words are? I think there are multiple words that come to mind. The ones that come to mind primarily for me right now are being centered and being grounded. Perfect. And those are beautiful words. And I know we spoke a little bit before we started recording um, and you shared a little bit about your journey. And so I know that you were practicing as an OB gynecologist uh, for about 20 years. And um, tell us a little bit about um, your journey and uh, what have you done? Um, you know, after being in practice for 20 years, you mentioned different things that you've done and decided to do after that time. Sure. So as a practicing OBGYN, I was doing the kind of the full scope of women's health care. So I was in clinic, I was on labor and delivery, I was performing surgery and um, call nights, weekends, holidays, And after doing that for about 20 years, I'd had some life events that made me really start rethinking my life and the amount of work I was doing. And I got to the point where I I noticed when I was waking up in the mornings, just a, a sense of dread at going to work that day. And I knew something wasn't fulfilling me about my work at that point. And I decided that I wanted to change things up a bit. My first step was to just simply to ask to cut back my um, FTE and work a few few less hours and maybe balance my life a little bit more. And my initial request was denied, Um, not straight out, just basically said, we can't do that right now. And I, I knew I was sort of at the point where I was just fed up and that was sort of like the last straw. And I decided that I was going to resign. And in my mind, I knew that what I really wanted to do was to live my life in a new way. And I decided that um, the Camino had been in my mind, the Camino de Santiago had been in my mind for some time. And I decided that I wanted to take that journey um, that pilgrimage for myself, 
Um, so tell us a little de Santiago for those of us who don't know what that is. So it's a an old traditional pilgrimage and it is there are actually multiple paths. They all end in Santiago, Spain at the um, cathedral there, the Compostela de Santiago, which is where the remains of St. James are thought to be buried. And so it's an old Catholic pilgrimage. There are routes that start in England, in Germany, in Portugal, um, France, and so multiple different routes. I happen to take probably the most popular route, which is called the French route. And it starts in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port in uh, Southern France, just near the Pyrenees Mountains. Mm -hmm. And it's about 500 miles from there to Santiago. And so you're walking the, these 500 miles over the course of several weeks, or how long does this usually take? It is, yeah, so it's about, most people do it in four to six weeks, and just average, I think I was averaging probably anywhere from 13 to 16 miles a, a day of walking, wow. so. So how did you decide to take this pilgrimage? Did you grow up Catholic, or how did you find out about doing this particular pilgrimage? You know, I did not grow up Catholic, and uh, one of my friends had done the, the pilgrimage and spoke highly of it and her experiences and talked about how it was transformative for her. And so I decided, you know, after hearing about it, I watched um, the movie called The Way, I read some books, and I just decided I needed something that brought me back to the simplicity of life. And this seemed like the perfect way to do that. I had other options that I was considering. The really nice thing about the Camino de Santiago is along the way there are little um, cafes, there are albergues, which are basically hostels, um, bed and breakfast, hotels, lots of support along the way with places to stay um, that are not super expensive mm -hmm. and are very community-based around the Camino de Santiago. And so I liked the idea of not only having community, but also having um, the support of not having to carry a tent and food and you know, so basically I had my clothes and some water and essentials, you know, toiletries, that kind of thing in my backpack, mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't have to pitch a tent every night. So you were feeling pretty burnt out with your, with your job. And so was it, was that the turning point for you when they, when you had your ask and, you know, sometimes for us being in medicine, the hardest part is really making that ask. And you had your ask about reducing work or finding ways that your work could help you deal with your feelings of, you know, feeling burnt out. And when they said no, was that, did you feel like that was, you know, one of the turning points that you just decided at that point that this was something that you wanted to do for yourself? It was. I, I knew in, in my I guess in my heart that I needed to cut back. And I decided, you know, after they turned me down that 
I was going to put in my letter of resignation and I was going to walk the Camino. And it really was based on the fact that I needed to follow, follow my own instincts, follow my own heart and kind of get back to healing, um, healing myself so that, you know, when I re-entered medicine, I could come back at it with a more healthy and, um, heartfelt presence. So talk to us about that experience then, your five weeks or so of walking the Camino. Sure. So I, um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I actually, prior to the Camino, I started a journal thinking I'll journal every day. And <laughs> at the beginning of my journal, I put in a few favorite quotes and then I made a list of inquiries and I had about, I can't remember, probably 40 to 45 questions that I went with the intent that each day I would walk with a new inquiry, mm -hmm. um, something to explore that day as I was walking. And I imagined since I was going by myself that I would have a lot of time in solitude for reflection and contemplation and mm -hmm. as I walked. I didn't realize exactly how the Camino would, would, the experience would be. And my experience didn't turn out exactly like I anticipated, which was just fine. Mm -hmm. And I honestly don't, I don't think I did any of those self inquiries the entire time <laughs> I was walking. <laughs> So, you know, all best laid plans. But the great thing was that as I was walking, I was engaging people in conversation. I was finding out why they were walking the Camino. Um, the very, very first night, um, I stayed in a little, basically, it's an albergue or hostel in Orison, um, which is still in France. And it you know, it was a fantastic experience. There were probably about, I'm going to say 40 to 50 pilgrims staying in this albergue. Mm -hmm. And there was a big communal dinner. And at the dinner, after we ate and before dessert, I think they went around and they just asked us to introduce ourselves to the whole group and then explain why we were walking the Camino. And so, you know, I obviously couldn't remember everybody from that dinner, but there were people that I continued to see all along the journey um, that I met that very first night in Orison. Mm -hmm. And so there was a bond there because for most of us, that was our very first night on the Camino. Mm -hmm. And there happened to be a couple women that I met from Victoria, Canada, neither of which had come, they didn't come together. They met that first day as well. Mm -hmm. And we formed a friendship um, as well as a woman from Germany. And that very first day that friendship was formed and it ended up that I walked, I would say with, with one of the women from Victoria, probably at least 30% of the Camino with her. And with the other one, I think if 
I can fairly say what 99% of the Camino with her. So, um, so we, we formed a friendship and, and still to this day, it's, you know, we stay in contact and we have a plans for future trips together. So that must be an experience because um, I don't know how many people are walking this um, Camino, but um, it sounds like you have the opportunity to meet so many different people, some of whom you might share a big part of the journey with, and some you may just meet briefly for that moment, and you go off in, you know, in different um, directions, I suppose. But um, it sounds like such an amazing experience. Um, so did you have to prepare like physically for something like this? I mean, for, I don't know what your, um, what type of, uh, what your fitness was, fitness level was prior, but for some people who may not even walk every day, um, this, this is, uh, probably a very big change for them. I would say that I did prepare and I think most people do start doing some hiking or lot, you know, a lot of walking before they leave. I didn't, I didn't prepare as much as other people I knew, um, just because my work schedule didn't allow. I mean, I basically quit, you know, when I gave my notice, I gave three months notice, I quit, and then I had one day, and then I flew out the next day for the, the Camino, so... Wow. Yeah, so it was they really gave you no time at all. No, so I didn't have a lot of time to to prepare, but I did, you know, fortunately living in Colorado, I have lots of hikes and kind of mountainous areas so I could You work. do your own altitude training there. I've been to Colorado. It's it's, yes. it's very different than sea level. Yes, so um I I could get out and I remember doing a couple like 10 to 13 mile hikes carrying a pack, um, trying to prepare, breaking in my shoes. And so, you know, I'd have my husband drop me off, you know, 13 miles from home. And then I basically just walked all the way home from there. Um, so did your husband, so did your husband stay in Colorado? Um, how was he in terms of support for you? He was great. Um, he totally understood why I was doing it. And, of course missed me while I was gone, but we used WhatsApp and talked frequently and he was really great through the whole thing. Um, he knew I needed a change, you know, he, he saw me, you know, and we'd talk, you know, one, one of the things that I love doing with him and he's not here right now, but um, he's in Japan at the moment. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At this time. Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic, that must be very challenging. Yes, his his work took him overseas in February, and he won't be back till July or August. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so he's. Um, but one of our favorite things to do in the morning is to get up just a little bit early before we actually have to start our day, and we'll each have a cup of tea, and we'll actually just sit in bed and chat um, in the morning, um, which is such a lovely thing just to to sit and reflect on whatever comes to mind and well that's very important I think to have that um, that connection and that communication with um, your partner or your spouse or whoever is is that person for you mm -hmm. and I'm glad that he was able to offer you that support when you were taking such a, a big trip for yourself um, what are some of the challenges that you had when you were doing the Camino 
think for me, the, you know, even though I had a chance to walk ahead of time and break in my boots, the, the first couple days um, in the Pyrenees were pretty, I mean, the first, I would say two, two days were uphill, 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 you know, the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I developed blisters on my heels and um, pretty good size. I tried doing different things to, you know, help, help with the blisters, but they got pretty bad. And by the time I was about three or four days in, um, I was wearing my, my sandals. I had brought some keen sandals and because they didn't rub on my heels, I was wearing them to hike in. And then I ended up getting blisters on the balls of my feet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in Pamplona, I went to a shoe store and decided I needed to get new shoes um, and something that would be a little easier on my feet than I had, you know, above the ankle hiking boots that were all leather. Mm -hmm. And so when I went into the the shoe store, this is, I call him my patron saint of the Camino. In the shoe <laughs> store, this man's name was Ignacio. Uh -huh. He owned the store and I'm sure he saw hundreds of pilgrims every, every year mm -hmm. um, with blisters and getting new shoes. And he fit, fitted me for some new shoes and also gave me some, you know, sold me some new socks. And then he made these little foam donuts to protect my blisters. So the foam went around the blister and then I would tape them over my heel. I couldn't do it on the bottom of my foot, but I could tape them over my heel and then my the heel of the shoe wouldn't be rubbing on the blisters on my heel, um, which had popped and were raw at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, you have so, to walk, you have to walk every day, right? I mean, right. Uh, normally we get blisters and you can get off your feet for a few days and then it will heal. But I mean, it's every day that you're, you know, basically putting trauma to your, that, your feet. Right. So, you know, I thought about spending a day or two in Pamplona to let them heal but my friends were going on and I did, I just decided I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to try these, these little foam donuts that Ignacio made for me. And, um, so, you know, I, it was tough going the next couple of days, but then they start, you know, um, I, I got to a little town, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was a very small town. Um, and it was, I think the night after Pamplona and in this little, um, it was kind of more of a, a B and B than it was a albergue, but they were used to, um, the pilgrims and the, one of the hosts, um, decided that he was going to help me with my feet and, made a salt water bath and I soaked my feet in the salt water mm. and it helped kind of dry out the blisters and it it worked beautifully. His name was Peter. So you, you remember the names of the wonderful people <laughs> you meet and that help you along the way. Yeah. Um, and so, it, you know, 
that was that was some of the more challenging the you know the beginning with the blisters was probably one of the physically more challenging moments of the Camino uh I you know one of my friends from Victoria had some much more serious health issues that were partly due to dehydration and and it, so it was hard leaving her because at one point she literally had to go into the hospital um in I think it was in Burgos and Burgos or Leon and so we you know so aside from the physical challenges, mentally, how did you feel? Did you feel like over time, over the several weeks that you were doing this daily type of walk and, and having some sort of self-reflection, did you gradually feel that you had a little bit more clarity? I did. And, and the thing is, you kind of get immersed into this community and this culture where people are really supporting each other. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of... Um, there's really a lot of love to it. I, I think there are moments where people are stressed or, or you know, struggling, um, but everybody sort of rallies around them when that happens mm -hmm. and, and supports them in whatever way they need support. And that's what's so great. Um, some of the people you may know from having walked with them or had dinner with them or, you know, been in the same albergue, and other times it's just a complete stranger. Um, sometimes people are lost and they've lost the trail, or um, and 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 you get guided back by some Spaniard who says, "Are you on the Camino? Oh, it's back that way." You know, <laughs> <laughs> you went to you passed the turn or whatever, um, yeah. and. Yeah, that's so a, that's so beautiful to have that sense of community from people from all around the world um, towards one goal is to to finish this this walk. Mm -hmm. um, so, how did you feel after you completed this? Did you feel how was re like? First of all, how did you feel after you completed, and how was it to reintegrate into back into society here in the U.S. And did you at that time once you came back? feel like you had a better sense of your plan for the future in medicine or what, wherever it is? So initially when I got back, of course, I jumped right back in and um, I, one of the first things I did was go to our graduation at the University of Arizona. So, yes. which was literally, I think a day or two after I got home. So I, I got home from the Camino and immediately was repacking my bags to go to Arizona. And <laughs> so, which you was, didn't stop. You went from having this beautiful long journey and then you went right back in. <laughs> but it was beautiful because um, the graduation week that we had uh, was a gentle reintroduction. It was a way of connecting with people that I had met over the course of the previous two years. Mm -hmm. And the program does so much work on integrating not only physical health, nutrition, but also your spiritual health and your mental well-being. And those weeks were 
almost like being in a spa with some learning thrown in. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely it's my, I call it my happy place when I'm in Tucson. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a very happy place. So, so that part wasn't difficult. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, I then jumped back into, I did kind of a non-clinical job for a little while, as well as some, like I mentioned, like some locums type work. And, and I kind of tuned everything way down in terms of, I really simplified my life and I spent time really thinking about, you know, what mattered. And so really in reality, when you do a journey like the Camino as a pilgrimage, when you reach the end, in Santiago or wherever the pilgrimage is, the journey is not over. The journey is still continuing and it continues to this day. So I, you know, I'm constantly reflecting. And so one of my goals when I returned was to commit to myself that if I was running an errand in town, I would either walk or ride my bike. Uh, and where I live in, in Boulder, Colorado, that's very doable. Uh, mm -hmm. Certain parts of the country, that's not as easy to do. But yeah. um, certainly in Boulder, it, it's easy to bike or walk mm -hmm. pretty much anywhere in town. Right. So the only time I took a car if, was if I was going out of town, um, someplace further away, or if I was going with several other people. Um, so that was part of my integration was just to stay, slow things down and not take things at a frantic pace. Mm -hmm. And then what about, um, so you mentioned doing non-clinical work. I know now that now you're doing some clinical work. So how did you, um, get to a point where you would go, go back to clinical medicine without being burnt out like you were before? Sure. So, you know, I decided with the non-clinical, it wasn't really, I mean, I, I do like clinical medicine. I do like um, the aspect of being present with, with patients and helping them through whatever event they're going through, whether that's childbirth or a surgery or a miscarriage. Um, and there's, there's something very special about the connection with patients. And I was missing that. Mm -hmm. And I uh, applied for a new job and with the University of Colorado as a OB hospitalist mm -hmm. and decided after I interviewed with them, at first I was a little unsure um, because my non-clinical work, I had weekends, holidays, you know, all, all of those days free to myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I decided that I didn't know what to do at first. And so I wrote two letters. I wrote one letter turning the new job down. And I wrote another letter accepting the new job. And I paid attention to how I was feeling as I wrote both letters, whether it was more difficult, um, emotionally how I was feeling. And I immediately knew after I wrote those two letters that I was going to take the new job. Um, it just felt right. 
That's interesting that you wrote both letters. And so you're able to kind of tap in, maybe even like subconsciously to see what you truly wanted. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was sort of like an intuitive knowing that my brain didn't know, but, mm -hmm. but I knew on some other level. So where do you feel like you are at this point? Now it's been about two years since you completed the Camino. Yeah, a little short of two years. Um, you know, I think for for one thing, like I said, the journey still continues. Um, I've done some kind of Camino type, um, I don't want to call them workshops, really since since we've all been on lockdown, one of my friends, the one, the one who had done the Camino already is doing life coaching and she's doing life coaching for people who've walked the Camino and basically how are they bringing the Camino into their current life and so I did one of her I guess I'll call it a workshop and and I think for me the the part that I'm bringing in much much more um, is my spirituality um, the piece of touching into that part that's greater than greater than me alone, greater than, uh, greater than my job, greater than my marriage, that pervades kind of all and is much deeper and has a, a way of connecting all, all of humanity, really. So... Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to the words that you picked, you know, um, your words were centered and grounded. And I think the Camino for you allowed you to become more centered and grounded into what you wanted out of your career and out of other aspects of your life. And I think it's also pretty important um, just for people in general to know that um, it doesn't have to be the Camino specifically, but maybe there is something similar to Camino out there for each individual person. They just have to access it. I think that's true. I think um, the Camino is just one one path among many paths, and not all of them are walking paths. Some of them are are completely individual paths, and um, it's going to vary from person to person what that looks like. Well, we're about to run out of time, but I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, if you had some advice to give anyone who's feeling a little bit burnt out or lost in other aspects of their life, and if they're interested in doing something like the Camino, what is one piece of advice that you could give them? I think what I would say is to pause and look, look in, look in inward and know that whatever situation you're in, it is your choice ultimately whether to stay in that situation or leave that situation. But there will be a multitude of other choices down the road. So you always have options. I think I got to the point where I was almost feeling like I didn't have options and had the golden handcuffs on. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. 
when you break those golden handcuffs and have the freedom to make whatever choices feel right for you, uh, it, it is very freeing. And, and you realize that there are other opportunities and there are other choices to move into that might suit you better. So, I, you know, I don't want to encourage somebody to do anything they don't feel comfortable doing, but know that there are always options. Yeah, and I think that's something that it's really hard for a lot of people, but a lot of people are in that space. So I think it's good just as a gentle reminder that we always have options. Yes. Yes. So thank you so much, Lena, for taking your time out to chat with me today. If um, there's a listener here or listeners who are interested in reaching out to you or contacting you, is there a way for them to do so? Uh, sure. They can always email me. Um, my email is Horner, H-O-R-N-E-R, medical consults at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your journey, um, your centered and grounded journey. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.